Welcome to Climate Action News One-on-One, brought to you by We Don't Have Time. This new series focuses on partners and investors that are supporting We Don't Have Time. And next to me here in the studio, I have a counter. It is counting down to 2030. And by 2030, we need to half our emissions in order to meet the Paris Agreement. And we are indeed running out of time because, as you can see on the on the counter, we only have eight years, and we know that for sure that well, it's it's very very pressing times. We have to get um, action, more calls for action. And my name is Katarina Rolfstotter-Jansson. I am the program host. And with us today on this uh, Climate Action News one-on-one, we are delighted to have Peter McKillop, who is founder of Climate and Capital Media. And Peter uh, is with us from New York City, from Lower Manhattan, and it's a pleasure to have his, him with us. Pleasure to be here. Meet Peter McKillop. He's the founder and editor of Climate and Capital Media a media company that connects investors and entrepreneurs working on global warming solutions. Their global news service develops engaging, well-reported profiles that deliver practical and meaningful investments and leadership insights into the fast-growing community of businesses addressing global warming and building a more sustainable global economy. This is combined with an actionable business directory of the who's who of the companies, entrepreneurs and investors working on these solutions. So, Peter, um, let's start on a little bit of the the darker no, on a darker t- note here. Um, in terms of fear, what what are your greatest fears uh, in terms of climate change? Yeah, my greatest fear is kind of inaction and the inability of of countries and people to, in their own ways, kind of recognize the issue and really begin to act on it. And I'm really fearful that if we get to 2030 and we kind of see the kind of stalling and talking that we've seen up until 2020, that we are really going to be, it's, it's going to be hopeless at that point. So to me, it's both an optimistic and a fearful. I'm super optimistic that won't happen, but there's an awful lot of centrifugal forces at work that would make it easy for major industries like banking and, and fossil fuels to, to basically continue to kind of act, without a sense of urgency. We're, we're now in a pandemic, still pandemic mm-hmm. state. Yeah. Um, would you see that there were any, any um, writer things coming out of the pandemic of learnings when it comes to, oh, to, to climate yeah. action? A- absolutely. First of all, it was the recognition of a global problem rather than a regional or country problem. That, that to me, I think is a very, and that's both a good and a bad thing, meaning we, we didn't do a great job, but we at least recognize it has to be a global solution. You just can't have a, a pandemic in, in Africa and or somewhere else. That's one. The second is the speed to action once things started. Now, of course, there are going to be mistakes and, and all that, but the way we were able to move on a vaccine is, um, is, was obviously very good. But the one big lesson, another big lesson is, Pandemic and climate are, are very different. There is not going to be a vaccine for climate. So in, in that way, climate is much more of, it's, it's much more severe issue and problem because we won't be able, like we have historically been able to win a war or f- provide a vaccine. So to me, um, that's the, both the good and the bad of what we've learned from, from, uh, from the pandemic. 
And I'm sure many of, of, of uh, the viewers here have seen mm -hmm. the, the, the sketch, the drawing of the little hump that is the pandemic crisis. Right. And then, of course, yeah. then comes the bigger, bigger hump, right. the huge exactly. crisis of, of climate um, mm -hmm. failure if we don't, if we, yeah. if we fail to act. Yeah. So, Peter, uh, um, your passion, you are very passionate mm -hmm. about climate action. And yeah. where does it come from? Well, I think it, it came, comes from the fact that I was a little kid growing up in Washington, D.C. and actually went to the first Earth Day. And at that time in the late 60s, um, the early 70s, you know, parents and kids and everyone started to get very, very involved. And so to me, that's where it all started. I then worked for Greenpeace when I was throughout college. And so it's that, that passion has always been there, but it really accelerated when I, after working, you know, at BlackRock on kind of some of their ESG funds and things like that, and really beginning to understand and recognize the severity of climate. So that's the reason I decided it was my time to really just devote the rest of my life to kind of helping solve it. And the best way I could do that is what I do best, which is kind of journalism and, and understanding the financial systems. So, Peter, tell us about Climate and Capital Media. Sure. Yeah, I know. So it's a it's a new site. It's a new kind of me, media news operation. Um, and what we started about a year, about a year. It's, it's really interestingly enough, it all came to life. It really grew during the pandemic because we were able to to use technologies like we're using today. And we now have a kind of global team in Sydney, you know, New Delhi, you name it, things that we would have not been able to do a year ago. But the the, the group and the team focuses on on really three things: themes, the big broad. Uh, you know, mostly financial, economic, and social themes, the people who are driving the change and the companies that are driving the change. And we try to look at, we call it the, the, the emergence of a new climate economy. And to us, that it's, that is only a, frankly, a subset of the emergence of a new climate age. But within that climate economy, there's, it's going to be such unprecedented change, um, that we really want to be able to capture and chronicle that. So while we're more solutions focused, we're clearly going to dip into the kind of the nutty, the nitty gritty of, of, of challenges as well. It's similar to the way you set your site up with kind of, you know, warnings and, and opportunities. But that's kind of what we're, what we're trying to, trying to do at Climate and Capital. So tell us about the, the response, uh, over this year on, and, and in your, from your news, um, well, yeah, the, the response has been extraordinary and what you're beginning to see, um, who, first of all, it, what's been interesting is, um, when you start a news organization, you know, you're not expecting that, that people, you know, particularly leaders will, will want to kind of engage with you. You're, they'll rather deal with the New York Times or the Financial Times or whatever. But that hasn't been the case. Leaders, readers, everyone feels that they're, they're making their time to, to meet and, and talk with us. And I think, you know, we're seeing a good, a growing readership. Um, but we're really, I mean, people want to talk about these issues and they want to talk about kind of how they themselves are doing their best to kind of accelerate around, around some of the big opportunities that you have with climate. And recently, just this week, Sky mm -hmm. News launched the news mm -hmm. that they're, that they're actually doing climate news regularly. Yeah. What do you say about this? Well, I think it's happening everywhere. I think the, you know, what was interesting when we started, um, about a year and a half ago, almost no one was really focused on the business and the finance of climate. It was mostly around the environmental concerns and issues or the, in that time, pre-COVID, the, the big demonstrations. 
with with climate now moving to the center of the economy and the center of investing, you're seeing um, you know an explosion of interest from news organizations, whether that's the Financial Times or the New York Times or, or all. It seems that every major news organization is kind of doing their best to reorganize uh, how they do it. Our our goal at Climate and Capital is not to compete with those big, huge, massive um, organizations, but to really every week put the put the climate kind of discussion within into context. What are the big themes that have been talked about for that week? You know, how do we, you know, who are some of the players? And really kind of almost in, in the old days, it would have been the way a news magazine works, um, like Der Stern or something like that. It's an ability to look beyond the day-to-day of the news and really kind of give our readers a, a relatively simple, easy way to kind of stay on top of, of, um, of kind of what is the tsunami of climate news that seems to be happening every day. And where do primarily your your readers come from? So the readers, interestingly enough, are mostly in the United States. Uh, and then we have a, a growing readership in Australia, um, India, and a little bit in Europe at this point. But uh, we have very, very strong following in Australia. And Australia is a really interesting country. It's in many ways at the fulcrum of of, of what of where countries need to go as the largest exporter of coal of coal and and, and LNG um, there is a very very you know big debate going on going on underway in Australia so it's kind of an interesting country to be able to follow but yeah primarily our readers are in the United States but it's in India we're starting to see some Australia and then Europe and you recently started collaborating and you launched yeah. people people Powered news. It's a yeah, this is a yeah. Go ahead. Together with we don't have time. Please yeah. tell us. Yeah, it's a great idea. Um, and Ingmar and I were talking about how can we take some of the some of all the great postings that that the the followers of uh, we don't have time had, and we said, well, why don't we do this? When 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 a certain article uh, reaches a certain stage in popularity, um, let's just go out and do a story. So it's yet another feature. Of, of that, you know, that you have many features as well. You, you contact companies, you, you do, but why not go once, you know, why not have a, a, a legitimate article kind of come out and look at, go deeper into the kind of concern or opportunity that's been posted. And to me, it's almost a riot of riches out there. There's so many great ideas that are being posted on We Don't Have Time and both from a warning, but also from an opportunity standpoint. So for us, we, we're going to try to do at least two a month. Um, and again, it's just going going a little further, a little deeper into kind of the, the the stories that or the ideas that are being posted on. We don't have time. It's a great I think it's a great feature. And it really to us, it's a I found it as a way of, of, of a tremendous source of thinking about new story ideas. And it also tells you what people are interested in versus kind of what you're interested in. Or me, I'm I was so happy to, to come across it because actually 15 years ago, I, together with another journalist, I, I had a vision of creating something like this, but yeah. it was, well, I was, our organization was too small and we were probably too early, but it was a grassroots journalism aspect yeah. that we wanted to, to launch globally. But now you, you have it and it's, it's connected to, we don't have time, so it's fantastic. Uh, in terms of, of, of this um, collaboration, you opened yourself up on the platform, we don't have time for for climate dialogue. And please tell the viewers 
what that means to your organization? Well, I think the, the, the one piece that we haven't got, talked about yet is what we call Climate Connect. And I actually think that the, that, that the, the, new, the newest form of journalism that we're trying to approach is the connection, the convening, um, and the content. So those are the three big things that we want to do. And there, it's going to become more and more important to help people connect. Um, people, whether you're an, in, an individual or a businessman or a regulator or whatever. And one of the things that we're, we want to build and, and work with, we don't have time with, is this ability to bring us all together, to connect individuals, to connect as groups, to begin to continue to think about ways that, you know, we're going to help each other because to, to accelerate climate change. So that's the, 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 we haven't, you know, we're still very much in the development phase there, but that is kind of what, what to me is going to really make us, and frankly, we don't have time unique, is that super climate focus, um, you know, the ability to share content and frankly, the, the ability to convene in, in both large and small um, groups. Um, and I think, you know, you guys are doing tremendous work on, on both the, the big conferences, but also the smaller convenings yes. that we know that we have. So, sorry. Well, thank you. Thank you, Peter. Uh, in terms of response from yeah. your uh, from your readers and what what connections you have received right. on, on the platform in this dialogue process, sure. could you share with us some news about this? Yeah, well, I mean, I think what we're seeing is the um, is kind of. You know, the, obviously we follow closely the, the, the commentary from, from the platform, the likes. What we're seeing, and I think this is what makes We Don't Have Time really unique, is you get quadruple the response on a climate-related issue from the platform that you wouldn't get, say, with LinkedIn or Facebook. That, to me, is really important. The other thing that's really important is you don't have to kind of reinvent yourself every single time you speak about an issue. There are certain things that generally a, a kind of, you know, a somewhat knowledgeable, we don't have time, you know, viewer or participant understands, like the, like the Paris Climate Agreement. I don't have to explain every time what the Paris Climate Agreement is. But to me, what's exciting is it's a smaller, it may be a smaller group, but it's a more engaged group. So you can very quickly feel that you're making a bigger impact than you would if you're using traditional social media. Peter, I started out by pointing to the to the calendar yeah. here, yeah. Uh, stating that we only have mm -hmm. eight years uh, until 2030. Mm -hmm. If you would just fly into time and, and, right. and land in 2030, what impact do you think media, uh, as in as in climate and capital media, but also a platform a platform like right. we don't have yeah. time? What kind of impact has it had? on yeah. where we will be at 2030. So it reminds me a little bit of the early 1980s and the nuclear freeze movement, um, where, uh, you know, at the early times, you know, President Reagan became president. There was a real fear that the world was going to blow itself up. And uh, there was lots of kind of talk on both sides, you know, the Soviet Union and, and the U.S. And what you saw there was this extraordinary kind of global movement to basically organize itself to, to send a very, very clear message. This is insane. We've got to do something different. And I think what we're seeing is something similar, except this time we have more tools, more ability to communicate. Just in the idea that we could have had what we have now, a platform like We Don't Have Time, or all the other things available to me 
um, is what makes it different. But what's the same is this, this extraordinary idea that just hundreds, thousands, millions of people are beginning to be aware and they're beginning to kind of activate themselves. And I think the difference between then and now, what is the technology, is the speed, but I think the same idea that you can, as a large, as a world, or, you know, as people, get together and change. And if you remember, what happened then was by the mid-1980s, the Soviet Union and the United States came up with some very progressive, you know, arms control laws in Reykjavik and places like that. I think there's something very similar going on. Obviously, this is even more serious in one sense. But it's really, the I think, that ability for groups to work at the local level and to use platforms like We Don't Have Time and to get their content from us, um, that I think is going to just help us all as we kind of organize kind of this global response to climate change. Well, thank you so much for those wise and inspiring final words, <laughs> Peter McKillop. Uh, and we will continue working together and, and, and making our voices and all other voices heard right. I think, it, well, thank, I you, thank you very much. Yep. Go ahead. And thanks no. for joining us on this on this Climate Action News one on one. We have uh, more uh, interviews coming up, so please stay tuned and connect with us on We Don't Have Time. And of course, uh, give reviews, engage in climate dialogue, give climate love, climate warnings if if needed on the We Don't Have Time platform. And check out uh, the, these wonderful ideas with uh, People Powered News and follow that in this on this platform too. So take care and uh, we'll stay safe. Bye-bye and thank you. Bye-bye.